If you have your Bibles this morning, go ahead and turn to uh, Matthew chapter 6, please. We have been um, working through uh, the Lord's Prayer, and um, the, one of the things that we've been talking about is the, the actual concept that we would, as, as disciples of Christ, as followers of Jesus, we would actually begin to pray this prayer in our lives. We would actually begin to use this prayer because the disciples did come to Jesus and they said, how, how can we pray? How, give, us, give us some help. And Jesus says, well, this is how you pray. And so if we were to look at this, this, um, this scripture, this could be an example for you this next week of how you could be praying um, this prayer in your life. And the first line is what? Our Father who art in heaven. So maybe you'd pray something like this. Father, you are in heaven, and I'm here on earth, and I'm your son, and I need your help. And you love me, and thank you for loving me, and thank you for being my daddy, my Abba. Thank you for making me your son or your daughter. Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Holy is your name, Lord. You're separate from me. You're high and lifted up. You're beautiful in all of your perfection and holiness, Lord. Make me holy today. Give me the Holy Spirit to, to walk in your truth. Bring holiness on all and all the dark and ugly corners of my life. Your kingdom come. Bring it, Lord. Because my kingdom is a, shell, is a, is a shuddering kingdom. It's weak in all of its ways, but your kingdom, your rule, and your reign is what I need in my relationships, in my endeavor. Your will be done, not mine, Lord. Not my will. Your will be done. Allow me to look at you and to say, you're my master. You're my Lord. You're my boss. You are my sovereign. I submit my will. I reverse what I normally do on a weekly basis, which is I want it to be my will. I take my, pla my place, my rightful place underneath you. You are Father. It is your will. It is your kingdom. So this is how we could begin to pray. Do you see this? So that, that leaves, hey, help me out here. That leaves just this thing that we, okay, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom. It's kind of this rote empty kind of thing, right? Well, no, this means something. Jesus, there's a lot that he means when he's trying to give us this, this kind of this understanding, this pattern for prayer. So think about that. So today we, we're, we're tearing apart this whole idea of give us now, give us, where it says in verse 11, give us this day our daily bread, and then verse 12 says, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. In this prayer, I just want us to quickly walk through this morning. What are we praying when we're praying this prayer of give us this day our daily bread? What are we saying? What are we praying? What, if we were to break it down, how could we answer that question? And I have three for you today. I had one for you last week. I'll try to work through these so that we can all go see the fireworks tonight. By the way, I have my pen. My July 4th American pen. I'm an American, all right? 
And, I want, and so I want to work through these today, and one of the things I want, what am I praying when I'm praying this prayer? And I want to talk about this one first. I'm praying, and then, you know, you'll get it when I, when I begin to explain. I'm praying the, and I quoted this, everything prayer. I'm praying the everything, everything prayer. And that's what I want to talk to you about. James 1.17 says this. You ever heard this verse before? It says, every good gift, every good gift, And every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Everything, every body, every day, every bit, every step, every turn, every nook and cranny, every good gift, every moment, every hour, every person, every provision, all of it comes from our Lord. It's a different way to think. Because if you're like me, I would have to confess that I believe I'm a good American worker who gets down there and works hard. When I get down there and work hard, I get good things. When I get good things, those things become mine. And I can dispense at my will. You follow the difference? All of it is God's gifts to us. The breath that we breathe, the jobs that we have, the homes that we own, the friends who share our table with us. Russ came over yesterday. My family was around the table yesterday, and a couple others, Chad and Carly, came over, and we just, just had a cookout. And, and it was just unbelievable. It was beautiful. It was like just all the food and great things were happening and talking. And, and I've been th- I was thinking about this, and I thought, and I, I wanted to step away because I don't think we do this enough, like step away to try to drink in the moment. Do you ever try to do that where you just try to drink it rather than just kind of in it, you know? And I just stepped away and I looked at these people and I said, what, what great gifts these people are to me in my life. This is, a, this, even this, this day, this, these two hours that we can cook chicken and steak on a Weber grill and feel the smell the smells and drink the drinks and have the laughter and talk about the Lord and pray to our God around a table is God's grace to me. Do you get do you get it? No, I really mean it when I'm saying this to you. Do you do you see life like that? That's what Jesus is saying when he says give us this day our daily bread. Because the Lord is the giver. I'm the asker. I'm not the giver. Praying this prayer is a reminder. It's kind of a reminder to me, maybe it is to you, that nothing good that I have or nothing good that comes from my hands, any of my industry and any of my work and any of myself is... It doesn't come from me. And that's the problem, because my culture says that it does. I've read one author where he says this, it's an illusion to credit yourself for the good things you enjoy. When we credit our own labor and industry for the prosperity we enjoy, we are denying that it is all a gracious and merciful gift from God to us. All of it. I am a receiver of the good gifts that God continually gives me. 
And what happens when I fail to understand this important truth? Let me help you, my friends, because this happens to me. What happens when I fail to really grasp a hold of this everything concept, when I'm praying that everything good that happens is from the Lord? What happens when I fail to understand this? Well, I start believing in what I call a very horrible reality. And the horrible reality is this. The only person that I have to thank is me. which then elevates me into the ugly arena of self-sufficiency and entitlement. I have to thank me, and I, because I have to thank me, then now I deserve. Because I've made this money, this is my money, this is money with, with which I can do with, these are my possessions, it goes on and on and on. It gets fairly ugly when we fail to understand our ultimate God as our giver of all the good gifts. We become self-sufficient people who get credit because of our own labor. And doggone it, we deserve good things because we worked hard to get them. And because I worked hard to get them, everything that I have is mine. And there could be no other lie worse told to us than that. Everything that you have, your bank account, your home, your children, your wife that's sitting next to you right now, your friends, your husband that's sitting next to you right now, the fact that you can right now today enjoy a breath in front of the Lord and in God's house is God's gracious gift to you and I. Drink it in. There's a story told about a couple that uh, was working with uh, teenagers. And these teenagers were uh, involved in uh, a lot of crime. They, had been, they were involved in addiction and This couple worked with him in this alcoholic recovery program. And they, they did something interesting with these kids because these kids had been so hardened by their addiction and by the world. And they told these kids, most of them were teenagers, that they were, were required every night before they went to bed to uh, come up with what's called a grat list. Before going to bed, each one would take time to ponder and write out a list, often a long one, of all they were grateful for. And here's the interesting part of the story. Over the months, we watched a gradual transformation take place in many of the kids, and in an amazing way, listen to this, because I think this word is perfect. In an amazing way, they moved from morbid self-centeredness to self-respect and appreciation for others. Their gratitude for daily blessings turned to gratefulness for life. So I did it. Here's, just wrote down, a, just I wonder, what's my grat list? What would I be grateful for? You want, you want me to share them with you? First one. My wife, Shelly. And the love that I share with her. I am so thankful for her solid rock of partnership in my life. My children. And the beautiful treasure that they are to me. It's hard for me to even talk about it, isn't it? I'm thankful that Jesus lives inside of them. 
I'm grateful for their deeply personal and daddy love that they have for me. And lastly, I am deeply grateful for my band of brothers, men that would chase me down wherever I was in the world, men that would notice when I'm missing. Thank you, Father, for this gift. Do one. You're going to get an opportunity today at the end of this time to write down some things that you're thankful for. And here's what I want to dare you to do. Write down these, those things and thank God for them. See, see them as nothing but gracious and phenomenal gifts from the Lord. Nothing you could have possibly ever done to deserve these things. All these good gifts are from God. God loving you and kissing on you. And share those things with those people, maybe, that you're thankful for. It will then communicate to them that it's about what the Lord has done for you and how his mercy and grace have moved you in your life versus the other way around. Think about it. Secondly, I am praying as I come to the Lord, I am praying with what I call empty hands. I'm praying with empty hands. When we come to God in prayer, uh, in this prayer, when it says, give us this day our daily bread, our hands are empty. They're empty of our own enterprise and industry. They're empty. I'm an asker. I'm needy. I need to be given to. And if he is a giving God, I am a needy beggar asking for charity. I need a handout. I'm just like many of the men that you and the women you see around this city. I need that. I am a poor beggar who needs everything, everything for my sustenance I need from my Father. I come empty-handed. It's a very opposite concept than many of us are used to. God gives us gifts in order to provide. He gives me gifts in order to provide for me. He in order to provide for you. Remember, he's our Father. We've talked a lot, and sometimes you hear us talk about this. We don't talk about it in an official way, but we probably need to do more about it. But there's a beautiful doctrine called the doctrine of providence, that we have a God of providence, and providence is basically about God's provision for his people. And one of the things I want to stop and ask you today is this. Do you actually believe that God will provide for you? Do you believe it? Do you believe that he'll provide for you in ways that you don't think he'll provide for you? Or are you, are you kind of like me, which is, well, this is what I want, and if God doesn't provide for me in that right way, I'll give God the finger. Well, that's really true. That's how many of us do it. We, in other words, we say, God, we reverse it. We're the one who's sovereign. We say, this is what I want. If you can't come through, forget you. Go back on the porch and smoke your pipe, stroke your long white beard, and stay out, out of my life, because that's how you are anyway, right? It's terrible, isn't it? And we would actually stick the finger up at God. How could a man say that? Oh, are you kidding me? We do that every day, dude. I know I do. Providence. This is the way that God provides for his people, and it's an integral part of God's providence is his provision. And how he provided for us ultimately is the thing that we always talk about here at Midtown. And obviously, we need to remember that God gave us the ultimate provision of our ultimate need, and our ultimate need was we were destined for hell. Our ultimate need was salvation because of sin. And what did God provide for us? Jesus. 
And he continues to provide us Jesus, doesn't he? But you know what the beautiful thing about this is? Is that the God of providence is also concerned about our mundane, everyday needs, such as food and water, clothes and shelter. Give us this day our daily bread. In the book of Genesis, God promises. I love the story. I won't spend a lot of time on it. But in the book of Genesis, God, God promises a very empty-handed Abraham that he's going to be the father of many nations. The funny thing about God's promise to empty-handed Abraham was that uh, Abraham and Sarah couldn't even have kids of their own. Sarah was barren. You know that. You know the story? Sarah was barren. So the, the, the most unbelievable irony of it all is that God would say, you're going to be the father of many nations. And, Sarah, and <laughs> Abraham probably looked and said, Lord, my wife can't get pregnant. And God said, perfect, exactly, because I'm the giver. You're the receiver. Abraham and Sarah couldn't have any more said, we're just going to have a son tomorrow. Then they, 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 are you kidding me? It, 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 it was so outside of themselves. God had to do a miracle in Sarah's body in order for her, her to have Isaac. God gives gifts to his children. What happened? Isaac comes. Isaac lives. What an unbelievable gift in a day of celebration for Isaac. And what does God do? Looks at, looks at Abraham and says, I want you to take your son. I want you to kill him as a sacrifice. You're serious? After this whole complete story? And they walk, and they're walking to Mount Moriah. I can't imagine the emotion involved in this father and what's going on. He finally gets to the top, and and his son looks at him and says, what do I do, Dad? Dad wait, where's, we're going to sacrifice. Where's the lamb? Who provides the lamb? The Lord. The Lord provided the lamb. He saved Isaac. He provided a lamb. And guess what? Lord provided a lamb in Jesus. He saved you. That whole story was nothing there other than a prefigure of what Christ, who Christ was. The lamb that was slain. God provided a lamb, and God will provide for you. And it's an amazing thing when you think about it that we have a God who actually cares about crosses and all these big issues of what we talk about with, with Jesus dying on the cross for our sins and actually cares about the numbers of the hairs on our head. And I want to I want to encourage you today. What I want to encourage you to do today this week as I want to encourage you to go before the Lord with empty hands and see what the Lord's going to do. Just go before him with empty hands. Say, Lord, this is what's going on. This is what's happening. I am dependent on you. My hands are empty. I started to think about it. Maybe that's the entire purpose of prayer or one of the big core reasons of prayer is just to claim our dependence, don't you think? Dependent people are humble people that depend on God for everything. And then lastly, let me finish on this. This is kind of cool. This is something that I think that we deal with here, and I'll close on this, but I deal with this with a lot of you as I talk with you. This idea of how would this mean, you know, give, give us this day our daily bread, this praying that I will live 
in the present because this, there's a concept here that Jesus gives us when he says, give us this day our what? Daily bread. A little bit of a different concept than how we're used to it, because if you're like me, and as I talk with a lot of you, one of the things that we're super afflicted about is all of our future plans. And many of us in this room actually live in a future reality. Like when this happens, if this all takes place, I'll then get this all together. Do you follow what I'm saying? When, when, when these things take place, if I can make enough money, if I can get my education right, if I can get my job right, then I'll be able to do and fill in the blank. And so many of us live in this kind of this constant state of discontentment about anything that could happen now because now isn't the reality. The future is the reality. Am I, am I speaking? It, is it mean? Is that, is that, are you like me in that? And when, when Jesus says here, what I love about this is when he says, give us this day our daily bread, what I, I, I thought is that obviously the Lord is concerned about a different time block than how we operate. Because I want you to hear this. This is really interesting. Over here in, in Matthew chapter 6, we're, we get to the point, and I've talked with many of you about this, we're so concerned and, and worried about our future and that we literally inhibits us from now just living in the present with the Lord? Listen to what Jesus says about this, and then I'm going I'm to tie in the day concept. Listen to what he says. Just, it's, it's, it's in the exact same chapter in Matthew, and it says this, Therefore I tell you, don't be anxious about your life, and what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body and what you will put on. Is not life more important than food? And the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather in the barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Jesus knew he was talking to a very worrying and anxious culture. You, by the way, and me are a very worrying and anxious culture. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? That's Jesus saying that to us. And all of us would sit here and go, well, we can't. But we do. <laughs> right? And why are you anxious about the clothing? About your clothing? Then he goes down. I'll skip some verses there. You've got to read it later. It says this. Therefore, do not be anxious saying, what shall I eat, or what shall I drink, what shall I wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. And then listen to what he says. This is the day concept. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious enough for itself. Sufficient for the day of its own, for its own trouble. In other words, tomorrow has enough trouble on its own. And by the way, that's a little different than the messages sometimes we hear on TV. Tomorrow's going to have trouble. But the interesting thing that I want you to gather here this, is this. Get, Jesus says, when you pray, pray like this. Give us this day our daily bread. And then he goes over in, John, in, in Matthew 6 and he says, you know what? Don't, don't worry about tomorrow. Worry about today. So what would it look like for us to be praying in the present, for us to be actually entering in with the Lord about this day, this time, right now? 
While I'm so busy accumulating and possessing and worrying and worrying about my future, Jesus says, don't be anxious. I know what you need. I take care of the birds. I take care of the flowers. It's such a good message for many of you young ladies that are sitting in front of me who are, have, have been dismantled by your worries and your control of whatever it is. If it's the fact that you never think that there's a man that's ever going to come into your life. Or if you're a young man who's dismantled and utterly destroyed by the fact that no one knows you and you're addicted and you couldn't possibly ever get a, You're worried about what's going to happen to you. The worries can go on and on. Many of you young, young ladies who have babies, you live lives of constant and constant worry. You're always anxious about the next thing. Whatever it would take place, you're like me. I got, somebody told me two weeks ago, hey dude, you're 50. 50 year olds, go get this big health checkup. What's that? I said, what's that mean? No, it's the big deal. What's the big deal? Well, you got to really have a big examination. Walk through this stuff because I said, well, why do I do that? Well, because, you, you know, you just get to prevent cancer, they said. You got to, you know. So they told me that, and two days later, I, I got this little ache over here. And I'm going, oh, geez, man, I'm having it. Is that cancer? You like me? Am I, am I, am I relating at all? I'm, I'm serious. And I, I mean, two days I'm going, I go up to the mirror. I'm go, I mean, I, I, it was in a, in a restaurant. I'm rushing to the, to the, to the bathroom. You guys, the, I, I'm, I'm the pastor. I'm supposed to get this stuff, right? Oh, my gosh, I have cancer in there? Is there a lump there? Right? Worried about lumps. Then, then, then what do I do? Okay, Lord, yeah, don't worry. You know, you told me not to be anxious, right? Okay, I'm good for a couple hours. Is this your life at all? Good for a couple hours? Go up to my office. Internet, Google, cancer lumps. <laughs> and that's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, I've got it, I've got it all under control. Just enjoy me today. Take down, your, take down the time span of, of all the world, the, 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 whole, the 72 hour and three year plan, or of the five year plan. How about right now? Give me a 24 hour block where you want to be in my presence and pray. Just pray and know that I care for you. It's a beautiful thing to consider. These are the concepts that are going on when Jesus says, Give us this day our daily bread. People that are actually content with what God's going to give them, too. Think about that. Let's pray. Lord, uh, we're, uh, we're, we are people who many times uh, don't want to come to you open-handed. We have our hands closed because we were fighters. And we want to understand this, and we think that we can, and we, we grab a hold of things in our lives, and we think that those things define us, and we, we're worrying, and we're anxious. We're always, always seem to be in that state, and Lord, it's even hard for us to even think about what would it actually look like for us to not be anxious and to trust you as our, the Lord of our present reality. I just, I just, I pray, Lord, that we would be uh, a people that would truly pray this prayer to you, that would pray and know that when we pray this prayer, you, you are a God who is our sovereign and will you want everything, Lord. Everything in our lives is about you. I just pray that on us. 
I pray, Lord, that you would, you would convict us uh, so much, especially me as being the person who wants to step to the forefront of all the, the kind of the positions of my life. And so help us now as we spend in a couple more minutes in prayer. We pray this in your name. Amen.